And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Torque. Hi, Joe. How you doing? I'm all right. I mean, I always sort of resent that question, as I'm sure most people do. I mean, I, I'm all right, you know, but uh, yeah. I'm not in Ukraine. Um, I'm good. I, I think uh, it's, we're, as I was saying off air to you, we're trying to make two different shows at the same time right now. We're trying to make our tour show mm-hmm. and then our streaming show. And so there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, bands, those funny little plans that never go quite right. Um, yes. As Mercury Rev once said. It's always weird to get back together again and find that no matter how many decades you spend together, you still miscommunicate in the same ways and you still infuriate each other in the same ways and nothing has been learned and uh, no yeah. one <laughs> no one has learned anything. Yeah, what about the flip side of, of uh, the notion of muscle memory? 
Well, musically, that's a different thing. I mean, that's that comes very naturally, and that we're very simpatico in. It's more just like the organizational aspects of being in this six-piece monster, you know? I yeah. don't think there's... There might be a few other bands where there's six people with equal say in everything, but there are not very many of them, and there there's a reason you're for wrong it. there's only one <laughs> it's uh and we've been doing it twenty two years and we're going to keep doing it you know there's no escape from uh, yeah f- from this situation, but it's always it's always exciting that's for yeah. sure uh where are you I'm in Montreal in our studio space, Mount Zoomer, which is uh, a very legendary space. If you go down those stairs there um, at the front, you go out the front door and scratched into the concrete is Win and Regine Arcade Fire 2002, because this was originally an apartment they found. And um, the, the shower head in here, you can tell that they lived in here because the shower head in here is so fucking high up. It's like a oh, seven-foot right. shower head. I, I swear to God, I swear when installed it, because he's like 6'5". Um, and they had this place as a jam space, and then they passed it on to Wolf Parade, and then Wolf Parade passed it on to a band called Winter Sleep, and then Winter Sleep passed it on to us. So, And we've got Radwan from um, Godspeed in the very next room. So this is the, the last of Whoa. the kind of like 24-hour jam spaces that you can find in this town. So that's where I'm at in Monty, but I live in Vancouver most of the time. Oh, you do? Yeah. How's Vancouver feeling these days? I live in Seattle. Oh, um... yeah. Well, it it was a cold spring, as you know, Mm -hmm. a very cold and depressing spring, but now it's beautiful. How's it feeling? Overpriced, under um, uh, a dearth of culture and excess of Ferraris. And, um, (laughs) you know, I bring that up often. Yeah. When you are in Vancouver, there is an excess of Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Yeah. And look inside them, and the kids are like 16 who are yeah, driving their birthday presents that are given to them by their fathers. Um, I love Vancouver in the sense that I live right near the park, right on the ocean, and I live in my little world with all the retirees, and I don't really, you know, I'm. Dan Behar and me live on opposite ends of the city, not talking to anyone and trying to make pop <laughs> records. <laughs> so, yeah. And I have a studio there that I just got, which is great, that uh, they're doing a new program in Vancouver, which is actually really cool. The city didn't come up with it. God forbid that politicians do anything of use. But a guy went to them and said, hey, what if I take buildings that are under development um, permit uh, processes. In other words, like buildings that are not yet knocked down, but are going to be three or four years before they get redeveloped yeah. and turn those places into artist studios. And that's what he's done. So I've got this wow. this studio for the first time of my own, which is really amazing. So That's really nice. I give Vancouver a solid seven out of 10. Yeah, I give it an eight. Well, after that news. You haven't been to the downtown east side lately. It's, yeah, uh, okay. We, we have some serious, we have some serious shame to feel about yeah. the way we've let people fall through the cracks in our city. It's yeah, terrible. I understand that. Yeah. It's terrible. Um I think I understand. I do understand that you have been pretty busy in the last couple of years doing a variety of things. Um Yeah. And I kind of have myself and yeah. and some of my uh colleagues in the rock and roll business and or podcasting business have done the same. Yeah. But I have still had a little spare time to pick up something weird or out of the ordinary 
you pick up any habits in the last two and a half years? Uh, maybe habits isn't the, the best word. Uh, do anything new? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it started right away. I was quite surprised by myself, actually. Like, we were, um, when lockdown, quote unquote, started in March of 2020, um, we were on March, I was taking my daughter on March break to see my mom. And my wife was there too, because she was working in a theater in Niagara-on-the-Lake. But I packed for three months, because I knew that it was, the shit was about to go down. Yeah. Even though we were supposed to go for a week, I, I was like, we're not coming back here. Like, they're going to close yeah. all the planes. So we got on this plane and we flew and then it happened. So we were in this house together, um, five people and a dog, a huge dog and three cats. And, um, and I cleared my mom's shed out and I started furiously doing shit because it just hit me in the face that all the things that I counted on were gone and that I had never considered the possibility that a pathogen, I like it, who knew? It's unbelievable. You think of all the smart people, all the people, all the managers, Radiohead's manager did not have a pathogen <laughs> plan. Like he was like, what the fuck, you know? Like everybody was shocked. So, yeah. uh, and I had no money in the bank as usual. And I was like, okay, it's got to start and it's got to start now. I've got to make some money. So, um, I started writing songs a lot and I, I wrote a musical with uh, Ben Gibbard and I wrote a, I did like four online concerts and I, uh, I, what else did I do? I learned how to be a musician on my own, really. I mean, that mm -hmm. is really the big achievement of the last two years of mine. I'd never done that. You know, I'd plunked around a little bit, but I had to learn how to broadcast my sound through the internet. I had to learn how to play instruments better. I had to learn how to mix my songs better. Um, I started a podcast about uh, culture and politics with my buddy that I did online. I, yeah, I just been hustling relentlessly right. um, and never endingly. And, and I also then at the beginning of this year woke up once again, having no money. And so I went on Twitter and was like, hey, anybody out there for a thousand bucks, I'll write you a song of your own. You keep it. I don't own it. It's yours forever. I send you the one copy of it and you have it forever. And now I have like 82 commissions. <laughs> so oh my I've God. been writing furiously. I've written 25 songs in the first five months of, of this year outside of other projects. I've probably written 50 songs this year. I've just been furiously fighting against the dying of the light, Joe. That's what I've oh been my. doing, you know? I'm a survivor, I guess. You I'm are. A survivor. I think you're setting a fantastic example for the rest of us. Well, I don't think so, because I don't know that any <laughs> of it... I think that really, you know, I should take the hint and, like, go back to school or something. But I just... I refuse to believe that I can't die an artist, you know? My dad died an artist. He raised me on art. He fed us on art. I've been feeding my kid on art. And it really does feel now like, it, you know, I just want to make it through the next 20 years or 30 years and like not have to get a job. That's, yeah. that's the goal at this point. And it's not looking good. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. I guess as hopeful as what I uh, just, just said. Um, last night I was in the shower and looking forward about 10 years. I was like, damn, I'm not yeah. old enough. Yeah. I was just a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, I know, like I know. 20 there years is, older. There is a, uh, 
a kind of envy one gets now when people die. <laughs> sort of, well, you knew the best of it. Um, but, I, you know, not that I want to die. I want to stick around for the exciting Michael Bay conclusion to it all. But I just like to earn a living while I do, you know. And yeah. so far, so good. So far, so good. One thing that you did do was, with your five band members, was make this beautifully dark record. Well, thank you. From Capleton Hill. Not there it Capleton. Is. Exactly. Capleton. It's like you knew it. It's like I knew it. <laughs> um, and I want to talk about how that how that happened, you know, sort of logistically and how, how that happened over the course of the last couple of years. But first, I want to hear a little bit about the sentiment and the sort of concept based off what I think is a pretty specific record title. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, my first... My cheap sort of first response is I, I grew up in a really small town, which I love and I hate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I never go back there. I yeah. sometimes think about ending there. Um, but it, it's definitely a romantic, positive view of it I have. And there's also, you know, until I was 14, I was like, I fucking hate this place. Right. I, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's my first, you know, thought of, of it with a with a title like that. And then secondly, I feel like this record is really about the acceptance of something ending and yeah. and and or dying and you saying, it's over. Come on. Let's get over here. It's It's a little more matter of fact, but and not necessarily hopeful. But I think there's hope in in acceptance. So, yeah. but you know, I feel like it's delivered. I think people might think it's a little dark, but I think it's beautiful. Thanks, man. I think you're nailing the the vibes. Um, you know, Capleton Hill is this place that is. It's just the name of a particular hill in North Hatley, Quebec, which is a place that uh, is in the eastern townships of Quebec near the Vermont border. And my family, who are Americans. Um, started coming up there. My great great grandfather, I guess, built a summer house up there in 1904. Hmm. And um, because there was a train that you could catch in Boston, which would go straight through North Hatley on its way to Montreal, and you could, you know, leave the office at 4 p.m. on a Friday and be in North Hatley at 5 a.m. on a on a Saturday and spend the weekend with your family, and the family could be out there. So lots of Americans did this, and they built these huge fucking houses, none of which had any heat in them because they were only for summer. But they had, you know, servants' quarters and, you know, beautiful wood frame New England houses. And we still have this place. And it is it is Oh you do. Yep. We're we're still hanging on to it. It's falling apart because it's as I say, there's no insulation. So we board it up in the we board it up at the end of September and we open it up again at the beginning of May. And nothing has changed there. My mother has never bought a new piece of furniture. The sinks are uh, 80 years old. Uh, we replaced a toilet last year for the first time in a long, long time. But, you know, there's still <laughs> copper pipes from the 1920s. And it is decrepit, but incredibly beautiful. It's made, by, it's made beautifully. Yeah. And nothing has ever changed there. It smells the same. I've been there every summer of my life. Every photo is in the same place. Every chair is in the same place. The lake is still there, the trees. And that sense of home, is the, that's the only place in my life I've ever known. I've moved so much in my life from England to America to Canada, back to, you know, all over the place. And um, 
this place has stayed the same and it's taken on this kind of, you know, cherry orchard aspect to it because we really can't afford it anymore. The property taxes on it are crazy and it stresses my mom out who's getting older because she can't do the things she used to be able to do. And we're hanging on to this place, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to try and hang on for my kid because now my kid's attached to it. And now she's got this feeling of connection to it. And, and I'd never want it to change, but it will, you know, mm-hmm. I won't be able to hang on to it. You can't hang on to anything as it turns out, which you slowly learn. I mean, I think that's sort of the nice gentle thing about life is that that isn't a shocking revelation unless you lose a parent sure. early or something. Yeah. You kind of slowly realize like, oh, this is not actually going to last, you know, this, this beauty I have or this money I have or these friends I have or this life I have is not going to last. So the record comes from a place where nothing changes. And I think one of the beautiful things about pop music, one of the things I appreciate most about pop songs is that it, they don't change, you know. You put on uh, Be My Baby right now and it sounds exactly the same as it did the moment it came out. And if you're 70 years old and you hear it, you'll go back to being 18 years old again. And and it's true for every song. Every recorded song doesn't change. And I think one of the beautiful aspects of, of pop music, one of its benefits to humanity, is that it gives you the chance to go back to a moment and feel like nothing has changed and that you never had to leave that moment and you never had to let go of that moment because it's there in the song. If you just put the song on, you're back there. And so to me, this record comes from that future past that that we know you're going to live in, that we're all going to live in, and that North Hatley exists in that past for me in the same way a song does. Hmm. So I think that's why we call it From Capleton Hill. But I also think that what you said about your hometown is true too, you know, like North Hatley hasn't changed and there's lots of locals, friends of mine who fucking hate the place and love it simultaneously and feel that weight of it and, and love that they know everyone and hate that they know everyone. And there's a song called Snowy Owl at the end of this record. That's very Mm -hmm. much about a couple of people who live in a town like that. So yeah, I think, you know, that who said that Thomas Wolf, you can't go home again, right? Like, there is, you, you, if you moved back to your hometown as an old man, it wouldn't be the town you left. Right. You can't, you, what you're really wanting to do is go, go move back into the, to your, <laughs> to your former self, <laughs> yeah. you know? And right. that's, uh, that's something we all want to do, but it's trick. It's tricky. Yes, it is tricky indeed. Um, well, I see that you have a bunch of tour dates coming up here. And, yeah. And, um, until then, before people can see you, which I'm looking forward to, you're playing two shows in Seattle, and I yes, should we be are. at least one of them. So Please do. But in the meantime, I'd like to play Capleton Hill. How's yeah. that sound? Sounds great. Here we go. Close up the house for one more year Every single leaf has turned to red The frost is settling on all the roofs around here Do you remember what you said?
was a light A different sea of faces Singing all our songs to us in A different city every night It's a beaut. Thanks, man. The one thing I love about that song is it so beautifully builds over the course of the song. Yeah. Um, I had a fortunate experience. I was in Manhattan two days ago, and I was listening to your record a lot and walking around by myself. Nice. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, I, I, I'm thrilled by that. <laughs> so much of my life has been spent walking around Manhattan listening to records by myself. Yeah. So. I know what a great activity it is. I love. Oh my god, it was lovely. I haven't been there somebody, in two years, and yeah, it's it's still got it, baby. It still got it. It still does. But uh, yeah, so that's of course it turns into very cinematic, a song that builds over over time like that for me at least. But the end is the energy is carried by the vocals at the end. Also, I feel like this whole record, the energy is carried by the vocals. Not that the hmm. other instrumentation is contributing to this. But for me, I mean, I'm I'm a drummer, so maybe maybe right. I have a, a strange perspective. But it really, being in that situation of walking around Manhattan and listening to it, I was like, wow, the vocals are carrying and moving this song around the instrumental parts of it, and they gave the again the sort of visceral energy. And is is that an approach you have, or you know, I mean. I don't think it was. It's funny because I'm getting a lot of positive response about the vocals on this album. And I think that I, because I was alone so much of the time when I was writing the vocals, like the guys would send me music or Amy would send me a half an idea or whatever, but it was always this solitary thing. I feel like when I, when my, when we got to recording the album, I was like, oh, my vocals, I'm not pushing myself enough. I'm not challenging myself enough but I think actually that I was actually just being comfortable and maybe that by exerting less effort I actually achieved a little more authority in what I was doing now I am 
quite elderly at this point, and <laughs> yet I still cannot really take this lesson in, which has been right. repeated to me over and over again when I was an actor. No matter what I've done in my life, people have said to me, Torque, you try too hard. If you just relax and trust yourself a little bit, it would be more powerful than you jumping around screaming, shouting. And mm -hmm. I think by accident that happened on this record to some degree. Um, I'll make sure it never happens again. <laughs> yeah. But no, but it's, it's weird. Like, I do think that that was the cause of, of the vocals. Like, I think Amy went a little further with her vocals and I pulled back a little bit and we found this meeting point where the two vocals intersect in a lot more um, cohesive way than they have maybe yeah. in the past on other records. It's, it, that said, it's also that I think Amy and I are writing to each other in a different way than we were before. Oh, um, okay. Be, you know, I, I think um, we're still writing characters, but we're getting closer to writing in the first person in a way. There's more yeah. of us creeping into it than there used to be, which is, you know, like the, the earlier records, a lot of what we wrote about was sort of alter egos of Amy and I was like, what if we were even more fucked up than we are? What if we, you know, what if we let our proclivity for intoxication completely overtake us who would we be and a lot of those songs are about those kind of people whereas you know it's like sort of like um one of my favorite songwriters is craig finn you know and and like how many how many songs about druggies can craig finn write you know it's like well it turns out a fucking shitload of them and they're all amazing but on his solo records he started to write more about people who might be a little closer to who craig finn is you know what i mean like people sure, who have kids yeah. or people who are maybe not as insane as those people. You start to see more of, of Craig Finn creeping into those songs. Right. And I think yeah. that's a natural thing to happen when you've been making records for a while. You just kind of, your world gets a little smaller, to be honest. And, yeah. you know, you start to maybe think about your own motivations more than other people's in some way. But as for the vocals, a lot of the reason they work is because Jace Lasik is is amazing you know the guy he's he's uh he leads a band called the besnard lakes and he produced and mixed this record with marcus Becquin. and he the vocals are really beautiful and upfront and dry and tasty and not covered in reverb like he knows what he's yeah. doing you know so i think that has a lot to do with it too another thing about making a record right now is a lot of people i've talked to they've stopped and started the yes. same record over the yes. last court was that the case with you guys how did you to get some it degree together? it was like yeah. we started right away i forced everybody to start i guess just like that's what i do as a reaction to crisis i'm like okay let's do something sure. you know but yeah. um so My everybody's zoom meetings that i was forcing yeah exactly the first like, month or the, and they're just like what are we doing what are we like, doing we're hopeful and we're gonna do something <laughs> we're existing for fuck's sake so in an effort to exist, um, we started pretty quickly. Um, and Evan and Chris were just getting together. Like they never stopped getting together. So they would meet here in Zoomer alone and, and work on stuff and send ideas out to people. But Patty wasn't here, our drummer, Narnara, our guitar player, Amy wasn't here. Like it wasn't the band. But they were yeah. sending me little ideas. So we started sketching stuff in March 2020. But then it went on and on. We couldn't see each other. We couldn't be together. We met once in the summer. 
we all sat on a lawn at this house in the Laurentians that Amy and Evan were at. And uh, that was wild, man. I mean, that was like, it was really like running into an old lover, you know, like having one more magical moment with a, with someone you broke up yeah. with years ago. Like I had butterflies, you know, and I was looking at them all. I couldn't get close to them. I couldn't hug them, but there they were. And, and we sort of resolved to keep going at that point and started to write a little more seriously. Then by the fall, I guess the, the law started to relax and the, the guys in Montreal could get together. I came for a little while, winter of 2021, I guess, and really started to work on it. And then it really was made mostly last summer and last fall in a pretty big rush to the finish because yeah. we suddenly had the ability to be together and because everyone was like, I mean, you can't find, you know, you did, I'm sure you've heard this story about Destroyer uh, had to like pull over on the side of the road and fire their tour bus driver. Did you hear about this? Because the fucking guy got them in like three accidents in two days. No. And he's never, I bet he'd never driven a tour bus before. Like there's shortages of everyone in every yeah. everything. So um, we just wanted to get this done and get someone mixing it and get it into the vinyl manufacturer and get it so that we could come out in 2022 and and work and and make make a living so it was very very slow and then it was very fast at the end yeah. but we never really stopped doing it we just kept sort of banging away at it and uh jace is you know once we got with jace which was sort of the second half of the record everything was really easy he's just uh he's a, he has a, a studio here called break glass studios and I really think that if you want to have a great rock and roll town, you have to have a couple of great rock and roll studios. And we have Hotel to Tango and we have Break Glass. Yeah. And Hotel is the one that Godspeed own and Break Glass is this thing that Jace has had for decades. And I could name you 40 amazing Montreal records made in those two studios put together, you know, and like seriously amazing, like timeless records. And yeah. um, Howard Billerman, who mixes and works over there and does a lot of the Godspeed records. So there's just some, we got lucky in getting a legend on our team this time. And he, he knows how to make pop records and he fucking killed it. We were sort yeah. of in his hands. We were lucky. How do I say this? It, it sound, it's very thoughtful sounding in the sense it, it doesn't sound, and I've heard some records that I kind of like that seem rushed. Like, yeah. Let's just fucking make this record. Like people yeah, were making sure. yeah. in a week in in twenty twenty at the end of it when they just said fuck it, we'll get COVID and try to make a record. Yeah, uh, yeah. but this this uh, yeah this just fits in the right in the middle. It's, it feels uh, normally thoughtful to me. You know, it, we were talking a lot about it all the time. You know, yeah. and we were sort of imagining it all the time. So once okay. we got to the point of recording, we were very clear on what we wanted it to be. And that yeah. was sort of the opposite of how we wanted to make a record pre prior COVID. We, our plan was let's just go in with nothing and create it all in the studio. And the exact yeah. opposite happened. But, you know, I, we're good at that. Like there's a lot of musos in this band. There's a lot of people who know a lot about music and, and there's a lot of people obsessed with songwriting. And we, we love, we just want to write one perfect song. That's all we've been trying to yeah. do for nine Record. Every time I go to my um, parents-in-law's house, my Irish father-in-law, the literally dude, the first thing he says to me, to come in, sit down. Well, now, Tor, how's it going? Ah, oh, it's going okay, Patrick. Well, now, listen, I've got a plan for you. What you've got to do is just really sit down 
and focus and write one good, really good song. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> and my mother-in-law is like, shut the fuck up, Patrick. He's trying. <laughs> I'm I like, dude, heard it. It's a great, it's a great piece of advice. So I just keep uh, trying, you know. So yeah. I think that's the consideration you hear on the record is just people being like, "What can we do that's the most lovely thing that will please the ear the most right now? That will do the thing that will get you to that next moment, so that the storytelling can work." It's like thinking about it like a movie instead of thinking about it like sure. a song, you know? Right. And and uh, and to that, uh, my my favorite currently my favorite song um, is. If I never see London again, yeah, I love. That I mean, that song too. right off the bat. You know, I scanned the record uh, loosely when I first started listening to it, and I yeah. kept coming back to that. I didn't know if it was a single, whatever. You know, I try to be blind in some respect, and I listened to that song so many times. And I, it's the illustration. It, it relates to touring, but traveling also. But how it illustrates just landing in Heathrow. Yeah. I, no matter how tired I am, no matter what I'm facing, yeah, it's if thrilling. I'm landing in Heathrow, I've said this a million times to a million people. When I'm landing in Heathrow, I'm just like, I'm so yeah. excited. The yeah. romance is yeah. thick. Absolutely. Couldn't agree <laughs> just, more. Yeah, it is the place to land. And having to accept never doing that again, which yeah. of course, I, you know, we're, we're all starting to think about. I'm not down with that. No. I'm not no. ready to not go to London anymore. I also have a kid. I want him to go. Yeah. Yeah. I I I really feel that, man. It's been a a central place in my life. I mean, I am an English person, but I grew up in the north, but London was a place where I would go and visit my grandmother at Christmas and and it was always a place of magical pilgrimage and of endless possibility and endless romance and endless culture and endless history and debauchery and secrets yeah. and and uh and i that song is a is a big one for me because i think it's uh, a real dialogue between me and my wife in a way or between me and amy as well that a lot of these songs were written in a very black despair mm-hmm. um when i look back you know, I, 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 as you know, if you have a kid, you're not always aware when you're in despair because you're trying to put a brave face on and you can't yeah. fall apart. And so you just yeah. go kind of numb and you you do the day and you smile and you say the things because you don't want the kid to know, although they always fucking know. <laughs> but you try because you're trying. And, you know, the, the song like Back to the End or If I Never See Love, London Again was a contemplation on what all of us, I think, were contemplating, as you say, like, not just with COVID, but with climate change, with the way the world is, with the global political situation. Nothing is certain anymore. There, the future is not granted. It's not yeah. uh, assumed that our kids will be able to traverse the world and see the things and experience the things that we have. And um, that's a very first world problem, but it's also very emotionally hard to think that the beautiful aspects of life that have made life magical are the first things that will go. Um, and, and, you know, every day during the first days of COVID, my mother lives near a golf course and it, it's, but they closed it, right? So suddenly it was just this mm. park where we could walk the dog and we would go and oh, walk yeah. on the golf course because that was the, they had all the 
chair, the benches taped off in the park. Like you weren't allowed to stand still. You had to move. Right. So we would go and walk the dog for hours and hours, you know, and I would walk along and I would say to myself, like, you may never see London again. You may never play a show again. You may never travel again. You may have to do something else for a living. There may not be shows anymore. I accept that. And then I'd say, I accept that after every one. Because I was trying to lull myself into a place of accepting these things. And, and I would come home so sad and my wife would say, I need you to be strong. I need you to, <laughs> to, I need you to, to recognize a future. I, I have to have you moving to the future with me. I can't yeah. have you sit living in this past of all that you've lost, you know, of your identity and the things you love. So that song is very much that kind of push and pull of, of conversations that I think were going on and continue to go on all around us now, which is people giving up and people saying we can't give up and right. people living in grief and people saying we can't live in grief. And uh, I know we can't live in grief and I know we can't go, go back, but I also, you know, we're going to go to London next February. If everything right. goes okay, things, things are never as bad as they seem. And, and, um, but I do think that that, that I love that city so much because it has given me so much of what I, I perceive as my aesthetic and my sense of the world without yeah. London. I don't know what I'd see. I see the world through London in a, in a yeah. way. Yeah. You know? I'm with and, you. Yeah. And through what it's given to the world. It's quite a place. Yes. And I guess another thing is, you know, not everywhere, but largely, for a lot of people, gratitude is up. Gratitude is yeah. uh, a little less expensive these days because, fuck, things are coming back and we're so happy. And yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we have this new perspective too, which is it may it may go away again. It may go away, and there are things we'll have to give up. And I agree with you, man. I'm certainly m- so much more aware of the tiny wonderful things of of human interaction of yeah just little moments of freedom or beauty or community that make life worth living you know and yeah and uh and how how insidious and how completely destructive i think the other thing over the last couple of years is that that just the internet social media has just been an absolute zero for, for yeah. humanity yeah. like it has given us fucking nothing you know yeah and and i'm i just really think that all good-natured souls out there should try hard we're all addicted we're all in the same boat but we should all really be consciously trying hard to remove ourselves from the conversation that happens on those platforms which is not a conversation it's it's a it's like looking in a funhouse mirror that makes you look like a fucking monster. That's not yeah. what people are. That's not how people react to each other. That's not how people treat each other. You go outside and people are trying their best and being sweetie pies 99.9% yeah. of the time. So <laughs> yeah. I think we all just have to focus on each other and stop looking at, you know, fucking Twitter and all the other satanic we websites. You know? Yeah, They're just so boring. It's the most boring, That's boring the, shit. The, yeah, that's you know? what's getting that's what's getting to me. It's But they built it to appeal to you in the same way like heroin does. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like there's there's smart people out there in San Francisco paying that rent and they did yeah. it on purpose. Like they were like, "Okay, let's 
we know this website sucks. That's why we have to make it so fucking addictive because otherwise nobody would come on it. You know, like that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, 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 you don't have to, uh, you don't have to do that with, with other things because they're actually good. People want to see them. That's a good point. <laughs> well, um, speaking of good things to see again, you, you guys are hitting the, the road. We uh, are. It looks like Europe, Canada, us as, everywhere as many places as we can get to is your first show on the is it on the fourth our first show is in vancouver on the fourth of june at the hollywood theater all right sold out so come on down to seattle where the first night sold out the second one isn't all right well i wish you luck on the road um, thank you man and be safe and I be really smart but that. have fun and is there anything else you're looking forward to outside of being able to work and support your record i'm just looking forward to we played some shows at christmas and i had been over like a year and a half and just walking out and the fucking happy faces people's happy faces and people having fun oh my god i love you guys when you come and have fun like that really is that's the shit that has just put it straight into my arm all of my doubts and fears and complex shit and neuroses they just they just evaporate All right. in the spirit of communal joy and we are beyond fucking thrilled to be playing all these beautiful cities and seeing our friends again seeing our community again you know our listeners we're we don't call them fans we call them listeners because they've listened to us and not everybody has listened so we love our listeners <laughs> And we can't wait to see them. Yeah, we're really excited. All right. Well, I hope to see you at uh, show number two. Joe, please come say hello so we can meet in real life. Will you? I will. That'd be nice. Okay. I'll buy you a beer. All right. Great. great. Okay. All right. Take care of yourself. And thank you so much. Travel safe. Thank you, brother. Bye. Bye bye. If I never see London again Say goodbye for me I love that city We landed at Heathrow at dawn An ocean and nothing back then You woke and kissed me
Let's play. 